Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is the CEO of Vision Runner, Ms. Dominique Brum- Brumfield. Thank you for joining me. Hey, what's up, James? Mr. Lampkin. Yes. Did I, first of all, did I introduce, did I say the last name correctly? It's Brumfield, not Brum. It's Brum. Oops. Sometimes you got to read what you see. I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) How's your day going? You know what? It's going pretty good. Really excited about this conversation. What really intrigued me, um, the first time that I was introduced to you, uh, I heard you on Speak Up Sis podcast. uh, Yes, my girl. Yeah. And once I heard you talking about time management, that really piqued my interest because that's something that I struggle with. But what you really said that stuck out, you mentioned that you put your family on a calendar. <laughs> I was like, wait, how does that work? I was like, she put her family on a calendar. He was like, mom, siblings, kid, children, everybody goes on a calendar. So we have to start with that. Let's do it. So first of all, the calendar is, is, is me taking control of my life, okay? That is something I put in place to manage me, all right? So let us let me frame it out for you. So I am from a lot of different dynamics, okay? So I used to be a fighter. I used to be really hood, bad temper. Um, you know, I have four children, so I, I can get overwhelmed with the management of those personalities and the things that they need then my own life and then I was married so it's so many things to consider for me what I don't like is showing up in spaces angry and frustrated and I can't give my best I can't um you know I, I'm just yeah, I'm going off because that's what I was from you know I'm, and, and dealing with my family they are family of go-offers <laughs> <laughs> like they, they, they ready, you know, they're ready to scrap. So I desire to show up in that space in all my spaces. Number one, healed, because that's what I am. I desire to show up in the fullness of me, my full attention. Um, because I, I know what I have going on, right? I know what I've been through, I know what would trigger me, I know all of this stuff. And since I know all of this stuff. It's on me to manage it and to put in place the what management looks like. So that scheduling system is what management looks like. I'm not, I can't be thrown everywhere because what that's going to do is keep me from being at my best. I, I'm sure you got some pushback though. Of course. I mean, there's nothing in life that um, that's not, that when you try to be at your best, you're gonna you're gonna have pushback, and that's 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 fine with me, because pushback is comprised of a couple things: unawareness. What? Where'd you get this from? Pushback is also comprised of how dare yous. <laughs> like, are you are you trying to call me unorganized because you organize? You know what I'm saying? Are you trying to say something? So, um, how 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 dare you do something that I can't do? Uh, pushback uh, is, can look like entitlement. Well, I'm your mother, and I take precedent over everything. 
not so. Mm-hmm. Especially I can, especially when when I can't call you and you don't pay this mortgage, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so so judging by the answer, it sounds like your mom was the one that gave you the most pushback. Absolutely. My mom, my family <laughs> overall gave me a lot of pushback, my friends, but my mom definitely because of her title and her position that she felt like she should be priority in my life. But my mom isn't. Oh, she's not. No, my mother is not a priority in my life. My priorities is my myself and my children first. Okay. God, God entrusted me um, with four children. And so um, those children came with a lot of responsibility. You know, I have a surgery son. My son had nine surgeries. And the latest one was just three months ago. Wow. Um, I have a teenage son who's 17. He works. Um my daughter's 24, she lives on her own, but that's still my girl, you know, that I have a 10 year old. So those, and, and I have goals and I have success um, mapped out for my children, right? Because I I have broken generational curses and in order for that to stick, I have to, um, I have to focus and keep my children. I drive my children to an out of district school every day and pick them up because I need them to be in certain environments. I need for them to have a good opportunity and a good education. So I've taken that type of responsibility on. So my mother cannot be first. She cannot be prioritized that way. And the Bible is clear, (laughs) you know, we leaving y'all to cleave to the, to the, I was married. So, you know, I could not adjust in the order of operations of it all. My mother cannot be priority in a marriage unit. That makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. What, but when you communicated that to her, what was her response? So because my family or my mom is, you know, she she's at the level of where she is. Okay? She's at the communication level, understanding level, processing level of where she is. So her response was riotous. Uh, That's what we're from. <laughs> you know, so you know, a couple cuss words thrown in there. Um, you know, and my mother, everything I talk about right now, I'm free to discuss. Me and my mom are, are in a good relationship, and she knows that my story is what has powered me up. So that's my quick disclaimer. Things may sound harsh, things may sound like, oh my gosh, she said it about her mother, but this is the real things that I feel to be successful with self we all need to work out and power through so our relationship is good now but you know my mom you know she showed up um with what her conditioning and what she knew at that time now um yeah and so my my goal was just to be compassionate i wasn't mean to her like whatever i was compassionate i said i know this is difficult babe but i got you i got you at this time on thursday i got you I know you like bingo, Ma. I, I, I make sure on Fridays, once a month, I got you. We're going to bingo, you know? So, you know, I, I have a conversation like that. I'm, I'm uh, Who I am, the essence of me always bleeds through, it leads me and bleeds through everything. I'm very loving. Okay. I'm very compassionate. So Now, we, we talked about the pushback mm-hmm. from your mother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, setting up a schedule, that, although that's a great plan, Mm-hmm. Plans don't always go how they're supposed to. So for you yourself, 
was it was it a hard adjustment? Because yeah, it's easy to say what we want to do yeah. with scheduling, but executing it looks totally different. You're right, and uh, let me let me let me throw in this part. It was hard for me too, okay. because that that that's my mom, that's my family, and I desired. You know, I'm the I'm one of four kids. My brother passed away. My oldest brother passed away a couple years ago, which is my best friend. And then I have two younger sisters that people really don't know about because of the, some of the choices that they chose in life. So I'm like my mom's only everything when it comes to her kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was hard to make those decisions. But two for one kids can't come take my mom away. <laughs> how long did it take? How long, how long did it take for you to actually, you know, implement it, get com- like everybody to get comfortable with it? You know what? Everyone's not comfortable with it. <laughs> I'm still sometimes not comfortable with it. I'm not comfortable driving these kids back and forth to school every day. But mm. I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm not looking for comfortability in every decision I make. Okay. I want to stay there because I'm glad you used that term because you use it a lot. I actually listened to um, your show, Mary Talk. It was a great episode, by the way. And you talked about being comfortable a lot, but what you, but the approach you took was you don't want to be comfortable. You want, you want to be uncomfortable and you want people around you to be uncomfortable. So I wanted you to elaborate on that more. Sure. Um, you hear it a lot with a lot of the power speakers, a lot of the framing that's used by some of my favorite people is, you know, being comfortable is a sign of complacency or um, like you've arrived somewhere. So you stop trying, you stop um, reaching for what's next. What I, what I come to understand is that that's true for me. <laughs> so being comfortable for me is I'm not looking for the comfortability inside of this decisioning. My comfortability comes in that I I, 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 I will be in the bed by 8.30 every night. My comfortability comes in the outcomes of some of the bigger goals, the bigger picture. So I'm the visual runner. So I always got a big picture thinking going on in my head. I'm not going to be comfortable with this right here. But I get the opportunity to, to, to define what comfortable is for me somewhere. So I understand I won't be comfortable doing this part, but I will be comfortable with, um, let's see, let's see, when I show up for my mom that she has my undivided attention for that two hours. Because don't forget, I said I'm only with her two hours. I can't be with her longer than that. <laughs> but yeah, for those two hours, she has my undivided attention. So I'm I'm comfortable with that with those two hours because I'm not I've structured it. I'm not being disturbed. I've handled whatever I gotta handle, and that's her time. But I I'm not comfortable with the scheduling of it all or the saying no or you know some of the pushback. But I'm comfortable, and that outcome is the big picture of that is that I will be how I need to be at that appointed time, you know? So um, on the Mary talk, uh, let me see if I can remember. Um, I think in relationships, we get so comfortable 
that we stop being curious and we start thinking we know. Like, uh, I know she always or he always does this every week or whatever. Uh, and so we create a level of expectation that takes away your wonder, right? And I hear this a lot with relationships, things get boring, things get this, whatever. But for me, I remain curious, like, okay, so what what do you think this should be? What do you think makes you feel this way? So for me, I'm nervous a little bit. I'm gonna keep talking though. But uh, for me, um, not being comfortable in the in the married talk is just not taking things for granted, not stereotyping, um, or not just being comfortable with. I was married 17 years, mm-hmm. and I like I, I'm a fun person, and I and <laughs> I like spontaneous everything. So I just never wanted to wanted to treat him like the person he was last week. I always want to, um, I don't know. I always want to play up the man that he's desiring, that he was always desiring to become. And so I just made it fun. Every day was up, was, was fun for me. Every, every week was a movie. Every, everything went into the building of what he, I'm cool, but what he desire to become you know what i mean so i don't know i hope i answered that question right you know what uh, it's, it's funny because that, that ironically i wasn't thinking about that but since you went there i want to stay there <laughs> because you said you were doing it for him yeah did you find you did you find that you were losing yourself doing that you know what when i hear that you know so disclaimer I do not subscribe to what society has done to these people, to us. <laughs> so what I'm going to say is, Dominique, because I really don't buy in, buy into a lot of rhetoric from, it's crazy out here. How I'm going to lose myself? <laughs> I, like, I, I don't, the, the concepts, is, we so creative, we come up with this stuff, but how, I already had me. I don't know how, I don't know what that means, honestly. I don't know what that means. So when I hear it, I'm like, Nah, I never lost myself because I, I I I don't know what that means. My job, you know, this is, this is the truth. So I'm the weird one. I always wanted to be married, and I always knew who I was. I, like I, I really didn't have an identity issue. I was kind of born weird, <laughs> but so <laughs> one of the things that I always know, I'm I'm cool. Dominique bomb. Okay, Dominique got some stuff under her belt, Dominique gonna make it. But I know I am Optimus Prime had to a vision bigger than mine, okay? So I love everything marriage because I know what I'm created to do in that type of situation. So I don't know about, I've never lost myself because you gotta remember, if I'm marrying you, I am saying that Whatever you are right now is it for me. So if you express to me, which he did, he's not happy with whatever he is or he wants to aspire to be whatever, or I'm the number one champion. What are you talking about? So I don't know how that lose myself thing comes in. Um, I don't know. I, I, I went to college several times while I was married. 
I dropped all them kids while I was married. I was really old up while I was married. High level jobs while I was married. I mean, I don't know how to lose me Hawkins. I, I think, I don't know. Uh, well, I, okay, let, let me say this. Two things. I, I've got to make sure I keep my train of thought. The term lose yourself may be, may not be the correct term, but what I was, what I was implying was when you put him first, like when you're always thinking about what he wants, but you, are you keeping in mind what you want? That's what I was trying to say. Oh, it's tango for me. It's what? It's tango. It's a dance for me. It's a waltz. It's a tango. Okay. Like, everybody don't want the same thing. The kids don't need the same thing or the same level of attention. He don't need what the kids need. Like, I'm, I have the ability to keep the main things the main things and not miss a beat. I was really good. I'm really good at it. Don't know why. So, putting him, I guess, first is nothing to me. Okay. And then I want to point out what you said. You said when you when you meet him, you knew who he was, correct? And, and where right. he was at. And that's like where you want to meet him. Is that what you were saying? I'm sorry. I, I think I said if, if I'm marrying you, uh-huh. If I'm if I made it to that point, I understand that I'm marrying exactly who you are that day. Okay. I, I'm not marrying you for some futuristic futuristic dude I hope you turn into. Nobody doing that. I am saying. Don't say nobody because people are doing that. So. Okay, <laughs> I'm not doing that, but um, yeah. So I, I don't have a problem. You're not my project to, you know. But wouldn't that wouldn't that breed comfortability? So what I'm what I mean by that is, I am fine. I I don't I don't I don't, have, I don't find fault or problems in a person. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I'm not, I'm not looking for, I don't know, him to change or morph into something. And it, I'm fine with his, with how he is. But what I know is, it's by natural attrition or, you know, as we matriculate through life and, and we share experiences, people are going to naturally be developing at different rates, at different levels. But as you journey through life and you share these different things, like how we, we got married with the one child because I had a child before. So, but having the three, we grew in areas. So I don't, I don't know how to answer that as far as like I was comfortable with him, but I was married when I was 22. And no, 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 not you free. comfortable, him free. being comfortable, because let's, let's just be honest. I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. I was saying him being comfortable. What do you mean? Him comfortable as far as himself or what? Yeah, like comfortable in the marriage where if you meet, if you, when you say, okay, this is who he is, this is who I married, and it doesn't, if he does, it's not necessarily change, but if he's not really progressing. Because the statement that you made kind of mm -hmm. breathes a person being comfortable. Because mm -hmm. you say, okay, well, this is who you are, and this is who you are at this moment. Mm -hmm. But you didn't really talk about him evolving. Right. So that would make him, that, in my opinion, that would make right. him comfortable. Yeah. So I understand how you, how you get to that. 
but for me, um, and I may not talk about it enough because it's just natural for me. Like people will develop. That's just how that's just how it is. Seasons come, seasons go. Um, you will be um, at faced with different challenges in your life. We all are. So are, are armed with that knowledge, I just did not take into account that he's comfortable and he'll never grow. Because I, I don't believe that's true for anybody. I believe we all are exposed to different situations and different things. And so, sometimes we're forced to grow and sometimes we're, sometimes we're presented with opportunities to grow and some of us just grow slower than others now i know i'm, I'm the coach so i do hear a lot about people oh that's the same they don't want to do nothing with themselves they just comfortable being like they is they don't want to get no job they don't want to do this so i i feel like there's there's underlying issues when any any individual does and i call it and i've been in the medical field it's called a failure to thrive Okay, so any individual, they don't progress. So if you look, and this is, this is, I talk a little harsh, but I like being a matter of fact. If you look up the word retarded, the definition is an individual with, uh, in a certain state where they're not able to grasp, con grasp concepts, they're not able to apply information so that those are indicators that that person is progressing or, or, or they're coming into an understanding of something. So I, my belief is that if any individual is not growing, is not improving, um, still is um, operating on the level of a child in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and there is an underlying issue. Okay. Let's talk about... Um breaking generational curses because that was something that you mentioned like when we first started talking mm -hmm. what are some of the steps that you personally had to take to do that oh wow that's a really good question so so uh when i was like 14 or 15 in my community uh, one of the common things even with my sister is that everybody was pregnant a lot of the, a lot of the kids were pregnant and so um, I used to read a lot. Well, I still do. I read a lot. I read the newspaper for fun. So I just knew about a whole bunch of programs in the community. And so I would help the girls. I made my own programs and I would help the girls get to GED programs and um, different things like that. Um, and one of the things that fueled me to do that because I come from a family of illiteracy. So I, I was pretty much the only one who can like read in the house. And so... Um, Breaking that was very challenging because one of the, one of the things that happens when you can do something that others can't is that you're ostracized. You know what I mean? You think you're smart, you think you're all that because you can put together a couple words, a couple sentences. So, um, I my path, I got two two answers. I, I, I left home when I was like 15. Between, I think I was turning six. I left home very young. Wow. So leaving that oppressive environment gave me the opportunity I needed to overcome that because you it's very difficult to heal and thrive in the same environment you're you're being abused in. You know, it's very difficult. So my choice at that time, I was allowed to, I asked permission if I could just leave, she said yeah, but I left that environment. Now give you permission. I'm so, uh, who, my mom. Wow. Wow. Okay. 
that, go ahead. I'm, I, that threw me off, but go ahead. <laughs> it, throws people, it throws a lot of people off when I share that, but let me throw this quick sidebar into that. Um, years later, when I was going through all the therapy, I had a lot of therapy and healing. I asked my mom, why did you let me leave? Because I felt like, what mother let their child leave? Like, And my mom said this, you didn't even need me. Damn. You were always smart and intelligent, and you knew so much. You were so resourceful. You had so many friends, which I did. I made friends with older people. All my friends own restaurants, and I don't know how I did that, but I always made friends that were pe big people. I just didn't know it. And so um, my mom would always say, I, they called me Nene, like, Nene, you you always had everything. There was nothing. Anything you put your mind to, you would do it. You were so amazing. I didn't want to hold you back and stop you because you didn't need me. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know what to say to that. Like, who don't need a mother? But I understand what she was saying because I was very, very, I was highly intuitive. And um, I was highly responsible. And I nothing ever held me back. I always overcame everything. I always found something. I, I always was landed on my feet. I always did it. I don't know. So I understand what she was saying. But I, I can never imagine, you know, it, it, it hitting her to the point where she would say, because you didn't need me. Yeah. But I understand that that's how it made her feel at that time. How did you get the courage to even ask her, can you leave? You know, I was an adult as a kid. I was an adult. My, I, my sister had juvenile diabetes. My other sister had chronic asthma because Ohio was one of the last states to get rid of lead paint. So when you go to school, your kid, been, if your child got at, they didn't have no issues, they got them after they went to school. So asthma was what she got um, because of the lead paint situation. So I had to manage all those medical plans. You know, my family, my, my mom was, you know, illiterate. So I had to read all those medical medical plans, administer shots. You know, I had to do a lot of stuff back then. So I was an adult for, for a very long time. I was in adult roles for a very long time. So because of all that reading and because of all that interaction, I just I just knew stuff. I didn't realize till later that I had a high IQ and that I was just very um, intuitive and in tune with God to a to a to a level where. I was limitless, but I acted limitless all my life, but I didn't know that that was just God. Mm. What was you expecting her to say when you asked her? I knew she would say yes. I knew she would. Yeah. You knew she would? Yeah. How, how did you know? Because this, this is fascinating to me. How did you know <laughs> she didn't say yes? Because of the way we lived. Well, this is the way we live. We, we, we my, my household didn't foster education. My foster, I, I, I mean, I was, I, I was everything that they wouldn't. I mean, yeah, but you were fifteen, right? I, I was fifteen. I was five eleven. I was tall. I, I mean, I was, I was smart. I don't know. And I think some, I, I think that, trust me, I, I, I could not say my age, and I was, I was everywhere. I can go anywhere. Because of my stature and my presentation, I get the same 
problem is right now because of my stature and my presentation, I just look like something. I don't know. I I just never struggled with. Uh, I could yeah. I got my own apartment. I wouldn't even old enough. <laughs> I wouldn't even. I, I worked at jobs that I wasn't even old enough to be there. I worked at. I started my first job at a corporate a corporate job when I was seventeen. Well, they want they did a background check because I can talk good. Because I because I because they believe me. But I believed in me. I didn't know what I was saying. I, Mr. Lamkin, I would just go in these interviews and be like, yeah, I can do that. That's not a problem. You want me here. Trust me, you want a Dominique in the building. And I didn't, know, I didn't even know what I was walking into. But that's how my confidence was. And my first job was Lockbox at a bank. And, they put, and, and Lockbox back then was all 10 key. Now it's digital city. And Lockbox, you, have to, you know, people are paying their bills and stuff. And so Dominique loved challenges. So I just, I went in that lockbox and I became the fastest keyer. It's like 1,500 keys a minute. <laughs> Good Lord, that's a lot of keys. And th th that's the numerical key only. I was very fast and I had, I had zero errors and it was an incentive pay. So the more you process and the less errors you had, the bigger the bonus. I was killing it. And then all I need is money. More than I, was killing it. <laughs> I was killing it, but I didn't know I was competitive. So until I start playing spades and then I start, Oh, I'm competitive. Oh my God. I'm, I'm crazy. <laughs> Now, I was listening to something else you did um, on, on another one of your episodes. This one was different. You mentioned that you dropped out of high school. I did. I did. So it was so hard to go to school because we had we wore the same clothes every day. And I just couldn't take it no more. You know, I became really, I became an expert capper, okay? I can dismantle somebody's entire life because that's all we is. I had the same clothes on every day. That's, I had to, you know, I, I was being talked about. And I was just like, I was succumbing to my environment. And so I was like, can I just can jump out? Of, and well, nobody wants to go with me. <laughs> I was like, I want to let me stay home then. Let me just chill. Now, what age was this? Uh, well, I don't even know. Was it ninth grade I dropped out of school? Eighth or ninth grade? So that's like 14. Yeah, around the same time I left the house, you know, maybe a year or two later. But, and she said, yes, she took me out. Ain't no need to go into truancy. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't a good skipper. I didn't know how to do all that kind of stuff. And I was really, I was, I'm a, I'm an ambient vert. So I can be really extroverted, you know what I'm saying? Or the other way. I could be either way. But I just didn't like being with people um, that I, the people my age, <laughs> it was very, I like older people, but people my age, I didn't gravitate to unless I was helping them overcome some type of trauma or barrier in their life. So um, I left school and then I met this lady um, who told me about GED school. Then I met another lady who told me about college and I, I did it. Man, they, oh, wow. What is what is the school doing? Like they don't they don't call they don't do nothing. Well, you know when your parent withdraw you. Oh well, damn yeah. 
I wasn't, you know, skipping and just missing. She went and took me out. She signed, well, I took, she signed the paper. I took myself out. Damn. <laughs> nope. I'm, I'm, I got to assume at 14 or 15, it wasn't no plan. It was just, you didn't want to go to school. Oh, I had a plan. I always have a plan. Oh, we move plan? out. I mean, okay, the, the plan was to move out, but that's not a. Right. I was going to move out. Okay. And then I was going to work these jobs and stack my money, go back to school, GED school, because I know about all of it, but I needed money because going back home was not never an option. So I had to make sure that that never happened. Ah, uh, okay. So once I got the money, secured my money in my apartment and everything, um, I went ahead and went to GED school and completed that. And then uh, I enrolled in community college a couple of times. I took a couple of things and it's a layup from there. Wow. And then um, I learned maybe two years ago, I, I was going to join a police academy, actually. And I passed all these tests. And it came back that my IQ was like 130. Like, I'm a genius or something. I was like, oh, I am really. Huh? OK. So you didn't want to be a police no more? <laughs> well, I, I couldn't do eight sit-ups. That's the only thing that stopped me. <laughs> and, and, and the guy, um, he stood over me and said, ma'am, I guess you need more work, huh? And I said, man, I'm so glad I failed. And he said, why? And I was like, man, this is my 10th goal this week. 10th what? Goal. Ooh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm very ambitious. I have a lot of goals. And and I get sick of me. And I was sick of me that week. I was, I was happy to at least fail at three things. Every week, I'm happy to fail at at least two or three things. Why? Because I have, I, I have 10 things lined up to win at. And that, that's a lot. I put a lot of pressure on myself sometimes. So yeah, I'm 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 excited to not make some of my goals. I have a lot, and it just gives me a, a sense of release, um, relief uh, to not make it sometimes to some things because I can be very very goal oriented and put a lot of pressure on myself that I don't need. But I but I I, I found relief in the failure. That's interesting. So that leads me to this question. Is failing actually okay? Oh yeah. Failing just means that it, it, like when I didn't when I couldn't do those eight push-ups, that was the wake-up call how fat I was. <laughs> <laughs> so that was an opportunity for me. Okay. So I, I went to I went I went on a diet, I got a personal training. But you didn't go back anyway. Right. Well, they, my cousin is a chief, so he called me to come back, and I was like, "Late, I built two more businesses, and I'm busy." <laughs> so let's let's, let's actually get into Vision Runners because that's sure. that's like the big thing you're working on now. First of all, when did you launch? Oh man, I made this business the Vision Runner, my coaching um, firm. Vision Strategist is what I am. Uh, whoa, what? Maybe six years ago now, maybe seven, six or seven years ago. Hmm. What made you start it? Yeah, I worked in corporate a lot, all my life. And so I did have, I have the children and, you know, you got the whole HR, PTO, time off, all of that good stuff. Well, when my son started having a lot of surgeries, he was diagnosed with hip dysplasia. 
Um, so that required a lot of surgeries. Recovery was six months, six months each surgery because it, it really had been a full body cast twice. And then there's a whole bunch of side effects from that type of surgery. So what I found was that I wasn't I wasn't selected for promotions. I found that I I, I, I found a lot of discriminatory things when it comes to mothers and their ch children. You know, we're we're the ones that I I, I had to take off because I was the one that had the highest. My my husband at that time, I mean, he could not take what was going on with his children. That was a lot for him to oh, see his son with and you know, tubes everywhere. And then my son was in a full body cast. So he had a, a lot of medical management that needed to happen. And that was a lot for uh, my husband, a lot for a lot of people, so a lot of blood, a lot of bandages, a lot of stuff. So I had to be the one to do that. And I found that I just, I, I didn't like how corporate was doing me at that time. So I was already running my mouth in everybody's business. Everybody, I, I was already to go to um, um, in, in my community, in my church. There's a lot of women, a lot of questions about, about a lot of things. And I was really good at it. I was really good at strategically helping people navigate their life, navigate their business, navigate their mind, um, navigate their, you know, um, womanhood and their children. So I was just really good at a lot of things. Um, and I attribute that good to my process of leaving home, going back to get my own education, going to therapy to deal with those dynamics of why I left home, not having a good relationship with my mom. You know, I did a lot of work, so I had the insight to get. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I was born with some stuff, but some other stuff was built through the adversity, you know? Yeah. yeah. The healing process as well. And then, so when I started going through stuff with my children, that, those processes started leveling me up. When I started going through stuff in the marriage I had, it started leveling me up. God started giving me bionic wisdom on top of what I already had. I was like, I've never seen a healing process like this. I know about a healing process when it comes to you know, divorce and everything I've been through. But once I saw my son and go through a healing process like this, it gave me so much wisdom on how to help people heal intelligently. So with the vision runner, that's what I ended up doing. I, I left corporate and, um, I, and started the vision runner while I, while I was there. And then I finally just went ahead and left, went full time because I had a lot of clients. I had a lot of things going good and I was very successful at helping people navigate. Um, so, and then when I was going through my experiences, like I said, gave me that extra swag to be able to teach in a strategic way to people. And then people listen to me, which I, you know, that's why I've ventured into the podcasting. I've ventured into the things, the other things, because I realized that people like how I talk, people like my presentation, and then my story and how I tell it. Had you not faced all those challenges with, with marriage and your son, do you think you would have actually launched the Vision Runner? 
Yes, I still would have, because I still had what I had. I still was an <laughs> Autobot. I'm just Optimus Prime now. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I still had what I had, because I have been already doing that for so long. But as you go through life and you you champion different things, um, you learn more. And my perspective, um, I don't know. It, it just became different. And so now I've always been one of those weird people who, you know, I was in church. I'm, I was in church a lot. Well, I, I didn't start going to church till later, like maybe my thirties. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not raising the church. This is my example of something, but I, um, I was always in the back of the church and thought it was weird. I always thought a lot of things and how it was packaged and presented. Like, I don't think Jesus did that like that. I'm in the back of the church like, y'all hear this? Y'all, y'all think that's normal? <laughs> like, I don't know. That's breaking the G code on the street. We don't even do this. I don't know. <laughs> so fast forward to today, it's this big old unchurching going on. I was like, and people ask me about that. And so I'm like, I never did subscribe to that anyway. So y'all going through this unchurching and I, I'm always been about the church. Like, why y'all believe this like that? <laughs> That's weird. But so I shared that example to say that I've always had whatever God gave me. And I've always questioned the status quo. I've always been curious about things that were just weird to me because I believe God had already given me a lot of innate abilities to view things different. What would you say your biggest challenge was launching Division Runner? Probably my, my biggest challenge still to this day. You know, I struggle with how I want to show up how to show up. I struggle with that to this day. Um, I am a bit of an overthinker and I have a lot of ideas. A lot. So I struggle with, I struggle with which I did come out with first and how I wanted to look and uh, <laughs> that's my biggest struggle is how do I want to show up? What subject? Um, cause I don't want to be, I can easily in, information overload people. Cause I, I read like 10 books a month. I'm, I'm, I'm always digesting something and learning something. And so I, my, 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 my issue probably is, you know, what subject to lean into first, what's, what would be relevant? What do people want to hear? And then making sure that I show up like I want to show up in those spaces. Considering you a life coach, I want to ask you this. What are you the most passionate about? Mm, I am the most passionate about women securing, securing their healing, protecting it, protecting what they work hard for. After they go through all these processes and this therapy, this counseling, and we, you know, we, we get these receipts under our belt. I'm passionate about us not being re-injured or um, not being able to hold on to who we say we are. 
Do you feel like you're fulfilling your purpose? Oh my God, every day. I, 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 yeah, this is the best thing ever. So what is your purpose? My purpose is always, always um, to make sure people see um, who they really are. God, Christ. It's for them to see that they can do anything that they put their mind to. Whatever they say, whatever whatever they declare that it shall be. Mm. And I'm the example of what God can do. And that's, that's, that's how I live. I live like this. I want to end our conversation with this. What would you tell that 15-year-old girl now if you could go back, what would you tell her as she was leaving home? Hmm. What would I tell her? You should have beat all their ass. <laughs> <laughs> when it was acceptable, because now I got the breathing stuff under my belt. And you me. Cause you, I should have beat man. Should have beat the brakes off some people, bro. When it was when it was plausible. When I was in the environment, like I, ain't gonna, I don't care. I said it. <laughs> now that now I can't. I got so much to lose. I got to be one hundred. Like understand, man. I get it. I, I got you. Your audio went, but I can hear you now. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, now, now I just got to keep it clean because I got a lot to lose now. But before, I I, I was very cool headed and calm. I should have I should have beat the brace off some people, man. <laughs> that wasn't the answer I was expecting. Okay, okay, that, that was the remix. So I, I'm, I'm I'm P Diddy. I'm P Diddy on the mic. I got I give you the remix. Okay. Uh, what I, what would I would tell her is, you are loved. And you are valuable. You are loved. Because I always felt like my mom didn't love me. I always felt like, she, I don't even be here. You don't love me anyway. You don't care anyway. I always felt like she didn't care about nothing because her she was she was not emotional. So everything really was disconnected. I'm, I'm very emotional. And so um, I felt like because she was not emotional, she didn't care about me. But I would, that's what I would tell myself, like, oh, girl, your mother loves you, but she loves you different. She loves you how she loves you. But at, at that age, I didn't know that there were, um, you know, just different levels and capacities to express um, love to people. Mm. I compare her to other mothers. Mm. I really thank you for doing this. It's been an honor and a pleasure talking with you. And I've just enjoyed hearing your journey and I wish you all the best with Division Runners. Thank you. My pleasure as well. Before we end it, please tell the people how they can follow you. Absolutely. My website, first of all, thevisionrunner.com. I am on Instagram, The Vision Runner, Facebook, The Vision Runner. Um, I definitely, you can follow me on my brand page. I am Dominique Brand. Um, um, hit my link in bio and you can see all my businesses and a lot of the causes that I believe in and why. And you definitely can um, email me. Tell me what you think about this podcast. Follow Mr. James Lampkin. 
James Lampkin. I'm saying his name wrong because Lampkin mm-hmm. is tripping me up. <laughs> I want to say Lambskin. <laughs> oh, God, Lord. It's so, um, info at thevisionrunner.com. Definitely. And again, I wish you all the best with that moving forward because I think you got some great things ahead. Thank you. I do. I do. All right. I want to thank, I want to take the time to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. My Facebook is also conversations with lamp. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple podcast. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.